not like that. And so he saw it, but he did not clearly uh, see it. So that is the first. And then uh, after the first prediction, Jesus uh, took uh, these uh, main uh, disciples, G- uh, James, John, and Peter, and then he took, up, uh, took them to the mountain, and then he really showed who Jesus was. And then uh, there was a voice that, this is my son whom I please. Uh, so so, so there, 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 there is a statement that this is Jesus. This is son of God. He shows. And then they were really surprised. Wow that this is Jesus, this is Messiah. But that's a mountaintop experience. They saw it, but when you come down, there is a problem. Disciples could not heal this, uh, uh, this boy, and the father said, if, if you can, please heal uh, my son. And then Jesus said, what do you mean, if you can? For those who believe, nothing is impossible. For those who believe, nothing is impossible. He's talking about faith. And then Jesus is telling the disciples, oh, you faithless generation, how long must I stay uh, with you? Still, there is a great revelation is going on here about Mount, uh, Transfiguration, all that, and yet the disciples could not believe. There's so much of uh, fantastic revelation there and yet, disciples did not have faith, could not truly believe Jesus, and lack of faith, uh, we see. So, when you get to the second page, who is the greatest? There's another prediction uh, that is coming. That's uh, uh, verse 30, uh, 31. The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. So another prediction comes. When Jesus is making this prediction, I'm going to die soon, you guys. Uh, I'll be killed in a matter of days. But when you look at verse uh, 33, right after Jesus made that prediction. What, is, uh, what are they saying? Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they, ar- they had argued with one another who was the greatest. I mean, Jesus is talking about his own death. Disciples had no idea of what Jesus... In other words... They did not hear Jesus at all. They were so absorbed into themselves. They could not hear what Jesus was saying. I mean, that is our reality. We do not really hear Jesus because we are so absorbed into our own uh, thinking, our own life, our own needs. We cannot truly hear what Jesus is trying to say. And that's what Mark is saying. And so they were talking about who is the greatest. And then Jesus saying three things, uh, the box. Did we take on that, right? Last week, right? First, you you have to be like children, you know? You have to be like uh, weak and vulnerable children. You, You have to be innocent. 
you, you, you cannot really uh, be, uh, it's the children who uh, see the kingdom of God. And then the, uh, second, he said, uh, they are so exclusive. Oh, they are not really part of us and they are doing all these things. And then they were exclusive. And Jesus said, whoever serves me serves God. You know, serves the good things to you and it serves me. So uh, he's saying that. And then finally, he, we are talking about cut off and all, arms and, and uh, all these things. And then uh, what Jesus is saying is unnecessary stuff cut off in your life. Unnecessary worries cut off. Unnecessary greed cut off. All these things you cut off. Then uh, find the essence. If the salt loses saltiness, then what good is it? Then what is the essence of our life? What is the essence of our life? If we, and then the rest of it just cut up. If we find that essence, then we'll find uh, true joy. And that's what Jesus is saying. And then uh, third page, uh, we didn't take off, right? We didn't do it, right? So uh, uh, Jesus is uh, telling them what to do. Take care of the weak. And first one is wife. Wife is not, uh, it's not talking about uh, the divorce. He's talking about wife is uh, weak and vulnerable. And then second, children is weak and vulnerable. And the poor are weak and vulnerable. He, he's uh, saying that taking, uh, take care of the weak and vulnerable. So let us look at the first box. Uh, uh, can somebody read it, please? The first box about wife. That place he went to the region of Judea and beyond Jordan. And crowds again gathered around him, and as was his custom, he again taught them. Some Pharisees came and to test him, and they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of your heart, he wrote his commandment for you. But for the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore God has joined together, let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Yeah, uh, the first one uh, when we talk about when we think about the wives at that time, the wives did not have job, did not have uh, personal belongings and all that. So if they are divorced uh, uh, by uh, men, then they have no choice but to live as a poor. Uh, that's why uh, in the beginning of uh, Christianity, uh, there were many uh, widows, and then uh, the, the, that became the issue. The Greek widows and Hebrew widows, uh, they were in conflict. Somebody has to take care of the widows because they cannot uh, live on their own. They cannot, they cannot survive on their own. When you, when you uh, hear the story of a good, uh, not good Samaritan, Samaritan woman, Samaritan woman, uh, uh, Jesus said, you had five husbands, and the man you, you're living with is not your husband. When, when Jesus is saying that, Jesus is not saying that you're uh, morally impure. That's not what he's saying. That, uh, that she probably was kicked out uh, by man five times. 
Uh, and then, uh, because she cannot live on her own, now uh, she's living with this man, but uh, she had no choice but to live uh, with this man. So, modern uh, situation is very different. Uh, us, we, uh, women, they can uh, live on their own and uh, all that. But uh, in that time, uh, during that time, the women could not uh, live on their own. So, Jesus is t- telling them, uh, uh, telling them that uh, not to di- uh, divorce uh, your wife. And that is part of this uh, context of taking care of the weak. And the children, uh, G- uh, the, the next, okay, let us read. Oh, who, who's, uh, can you read? People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them, and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, The little children come to me, do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. So children were like a property. They could do. They were not important, significant uh, uh, people. So uh, the children came, and the disciples can kick them out. And the Jesus saying, "Do not kick them out." Uh, to uh, people like uh, children, like weak and vulnerable, the kingdom of God uh, belongs. And then there's another one that's uh, about the poor. Uh, Veronica, can you read? That? As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, The teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Eternal life. Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor God and mother. She said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but for God, for God all things are possible. Okay, this is about uh, the taking care of the poor. See, this section, uh, I had the hardest time. Because all of a sudden, about divorce, about children, about the poor, and then how are they connected to, well, what is he talking about? It was uh, very, very difficult for me to really uh, figure out this part, uh, the connection uh, with the uh, prediction, uh, second prediction. And then that is best I could come up with. Uh, with this, uh, and then in the future, who knows? Uh, there will be better, uh, more revelation. And then, uh, because it's kind of, uh, he's not really uh, talking about divorce out of nowhere. All of a sudden, he's talking about no, uh, divorce. I don't think Mark uh, just wanted to put there 
for the sake of putting there. There's some reason. So uh, uh, I categorize them as uh, Jesus telling them to take care of the weak, uh, the wife and children and the uh, poor. And so, but I'm, I'm not 100% comfortable. Uh, but, but still, I don't understand what Mark's uh, thinking uh, was going through uh, when he uh, wrote uh, all this. Because kind of random uh, kind of, uh, is uh, kind of a little bit difficult. But about, the poor, uh, about this uh, rich man, rich man came to uh, Jesus and then he was pretty confident. If I'm not saved, who can be saved? So he asked Jesus, who, who can be saved? With this relative confidence. And then Jesus will say, oh, you're doing very well. Uh, he, uh, he kind of expected. And Jesus uh, uh, told him, oh, you know, Ten Commandments, you know, all these things. Keep those commandments. And then this young man said, I knew that he was going to ask me. I kept them all. And then uh, uh, he expected that Jesus would say, good son, uh, go, uh, be blessed. You are saved. That's what he expected. But all of a sudden, Jesus said, oh yeah? Okay, go sell all your possession and then follow me. And all of a sudden, this uh, uh, man got into trouble because he had so much possession and he didn't want to give up, give that up. And he thought that he could do anything well, but there was one thing that he could not do it. That is his possession. He could not give up that. And then the young man went away sad, and Jesus loved him uh, somehow. Probably he came back. Uh, uh, the story doesn't say, uh, say it to us, but uh, probably he became follower of uh, Jesus Christ. I don't know. The scripture doesn't say it after that. But thing is, he went away sad, and then other disciples said, who can be saved? If there is a criterion, who can be saved? And among us, who can be saved? Go sell your car. Go sell your house. Go sell your expensive TV or whatever and follow me. Who can be saved? It's a question to to all of us. And what Jesus is trying to say is that you have to get rid of all that to be saved. You think that you can do all things? There is something that you cannot do. Jesus wanted to show that. And then Jesus said, with human beings, salvation is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's what Jesus, but his emphasis is on taking care of the poor. And then the last box is uh, G- uh, Peter uh, really showed the example. Uh, Simon. We have left everything. Peter began to say to him, look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age houses brothers and sisters mothers and children and fields of persecutions and in the age to come eternal life 
But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. And Jesus, uh, uh, and Peter gave up everything. And then ultimately, discipleship is really to follow Jesus, but there will be reward. And Jesus saying, uh, in our heart, Jesus, following Jesus becomes a priority. That's the most important things. Other things become secondary. So that's uh, uh, Peter is, uh, Jesus talking about uh, in the second prediction about discipleship. Now we are going to the third prediction. Uh, can somebody read the third prediction? <coughs> the third prediction. Um, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. He took the twelve aside again and began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the gent- then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days he will rise again. Again, Jesus is making. Uh, prediction and a little bit longer prediction here, but immediately when Jesus made that prediction, think about what disciples are doing on the uh, verse 35, James. Glorious seats, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him, etc. Teacher, we want you to. Do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it that you want me to do for you? And they said, uh, Grant us to sit, one on your right hand and one on your left hand, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup, cup that I drink or be baptized with baptism that I baptized with? They replied, We're able. Then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink, and with the baptism with which I baptize, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry. As soon as Jesus made a prediction, uh, James and John said, uh, when you come in glory, can we sit on your right hand and left hand? Uh, what does that mean? Why did they ask that question? I think they were still under the pretense, weren't they, that Jesus was going to like conquer? Mm-hmm. Or like... Uh, I don't know, like liberate the, the Jewish people, so they wanted glory. <coughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we realized that they had a totally different expectation. 
uh, of Jesus. So, my friends, if you have a certain expectation of Jesus, when that is not taken away, you can never understand Jesus. That is kind of a, a warning to us. If you have certain preconceived notion about Jesus, and then even if you read the Bible, you can never understand uh, the Bible. Uh, here, Jesus was just saying that I'll be killed. And then they were saying, let me sit on your right hand and on your left hand. Then problem, uh, is there a problem only with two people? What do other 10 people do? They were angry. In other words, I was going to ask that question, same question, and they asked first before me. So all 12 were thinking something else. So Jesus is going this way. They're going the other way. So it's like Jesus and the disciples were going like this. How hard it is to understand Jesus. How little we really do understand Jesus. I mean, we hear the scripture all the times, but we don't really hear the scripture because we have a very strong, stubborn, preconceived notion about what God should be, about what Jesus should be. And when we have that, then even if we hear it, we're not going to understand. And then the right side, Jesus is uh, telling us uh, what it means to live as disciples. Can you read that, please? Oh, I'm okay. The servant of all. So Jesus called them and said to them, you know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their ruler, Lord, get over them, and their great ones and parents over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. That is philosophy of Jesus. Do you believe that? We are not called to be served, but to serve. The first the last will be first, the first will be last. How do you understand uh, this passage? This is Jesus teaching, almost like a highlight of Jesus' teaching. How do you, how do you understand uh, Jesus' philosophy of life? Do you believe that? And what does that mean to believe that? (coughs) 
Whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. What do you think? Bruce, you have something to say? Rather than living on your own, you know, just able uh, to serve others first. Rather than me, 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 it's, uh, you know, I'll take care of your, your wife first, think mm-hmm. about her first rather than you, think about your kids before you, and maybe even as, uh, as much as uh, you know, people in the church. How about others? What do you think about modern Christianity? Do we teach that? What do we teach? About me being saved? I mean, this is an epitome of Jesus' teaching. And if I believe in Jesus, I will be blessed. That is kind of mentality. It's very far from Jesus' teaching. What do you think? What is? What I'm trying to say is, I think in a self salvation through helping others, it's all it comes like part of it. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, sometimes I look at it and think about I do certain things because it. I don't know the pure truism of trying to do something. Mm-hmm. Always, to me, it's always coming back to your self fulfillment, self. Uh, satisfaction, everything, the action that you do seems to kind of come back to you, mm. even though you are doing it for the others. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, why do you do that? I think it's because you have a self, you know, fulfillment, satisfaction, the energy, and everything that comes with it. Mm-hmm. That's, to me, it's also, it's not purely about me, 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 and I only do it because of me, per se, but by helping others, I think you get that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think about what Steve said? Is it wrong? I think you get tremendous satisfaction by helping others, right? Don't you think? Yeah, well, I, I think it's true. What, what Steve is saying is true. And I think, well, I guess, I guess uh, our 
secular explanation of why it's a good idea to help others. Mm. But in Christian principle, it goes way beyond that. Mm. Right? Because when you, when you help others or try to serve others, you may not get the recognition. Mm. You may be persecuted mm. yeah, in some way or be wrong. But uh, you have to look for the reward that's in heaven, which mm. may not come until you die or, or much later. Mm. But that's hard to mm. believe if you don't have that kind of mm. faith mm -hmm. that your reward will be given much, much later. Mm -hmm. right? But that's, that's still different than secular understanding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm very well said, yeah. I mean, secular understanding is that when you help other people, then you will get self-satisfaction. And that much is uh, very much true. And also, it's not really against uh, Jesus' teaching. But as uh, James says, sometimes, what if uh, you don't get that satisfaction by helping others? Then uh, do we stop there? Sometimes the reward is in heaven. Uh, but also another aspect is by helping others, when you become miserable, uh, do we go on? <laughs> Sometimes, you know, uh, you, I mean, not me, 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 but other people, you help others and then you feel miserable. Uh, in the, but we, we have to keep doing it. How do you understand? Be servant of all. You, you are not called to be served, but you're called to serve. How do you understand that? For example, when you help in-laws, and the in-laws take you for granted, and they make your life miserable, do you still keep helping in-laws? <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> yes? Jomo says we'll do that. <laughs> Yes, you will do that, okay? Man's perspective. <laughs> Man's perspective. Yeah. It's also a point of reference point of frame of the mind. Yeah. If you want to, if I say, if you have a bad view or, or, or thoughts in your head, it doesn't matter how good that intention is. Mm. You know, it's not going to be well received and, and Sorry, Doreen, you're locked. You cannot get out. <laughs> Just open the door. Pull. <laughs> She's <was> struggling. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Steve. I wanted to help out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, uh, it's a matter of perspective, you said. It's a matter of perspective of how you say, if you're expecting something back from somebody, yeah. then, and then you're not meeting that expectation, then you'll be miserable. Mm. But if you have no expectation, you're doing it because you want to do it, and because you're free, all these other things without any expectation, in a way, I guess to me, it's, it's you, you don't get this point because you're not doing it to get some, something back. You're doing it because you want to do it and you believe you need to do it. 
and also going back to even like James's comment about secular, every time we talk about this, we always talk about death. I don't think there's a, always, you know, eternal life is not death, but I think it's just right now and this point and continue to go on after death. It's, I think it's just continual. It's never after death you get, you know, kind of a situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the thing is, uh, Jesus, uh, he helped out. I mean, he did teaching, exorcism, and all that, uh, uh, the healing and all that. Jesus, uh, we, we study in Mark, he, he did all that, and yet what he received was persecution. And then he said he was going to be killed, delivered into the hands of the leaders. Instead of being rewarded, instead of uh, receiving a compliment from people, what he received, his prediction is that he's going to be betrayed and then uh, killed. How do we understand that? And then that Jesus is telling us, I came not to be served, but to serve. And then if you want to be the greatest, you have to be servant of all. How do you understand Jesus' teaching? Do we believe that? And if we believe, what does that mean? I think if you believe that you should get rid of all your greed and your aspiration and the power of the current, that you need to really get, get all that out of your system if you get rid of do that. And I don't think that anybody could really do that. <laughs> human, you know, greed, the power, even like, you know, they, they ask the question, you know, what should I be on the right or the left? They're still debating who should be the greatest. Yeah. They still have their own personal agenda and power and greed that they're continuing, and that's why they're not seeing what Jesus is trying to tell them because they're so. You know, focus on themselves what they want how they're supposed to be also I, I think they would be looking to see oh it's the FI side of the right Jesus when he's up there I'm going to get that kind of glory as well so their expectation is kind of there and that's why they're denied what to see it and it would be very hard for most people to, to really let everything go yeah yeah, I think Steve has a point as in he's talking about I guess emptying yourself, being humble. Because that's the only way we can actually serve others mm. and not, you know, if there's persecution or there. Or the other criticism. Way. What's the other way? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you throw your wife? <laughs> Jesus was strong enough. Mm. She she had all the strength and wisdom and truth so that he can serve others who will give himself even mm. to us too we are loved by god so we have this empowerment so that we can truly serve others mm. because we are strong strong mm. enough to serve mm -hmm. i said in that sense yeah that's a very good point but I think in order to be humble, you have to be strong. That's right. Yes, you can, you can take both. That's right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So if, I, if I were to 
Well, what you say is, hey, if my dad's God, I can do anything, so I'll just do it. Knowing, you know, knowing that I could do whatever, he's going to be there for me. Hmm. I mean, Reverend Chung said, servanthood is a lot to do with empowerment, then? Ser- serving, serving is kind of self-empowerment, in a way. So if there's no empowerment within us, then we cannot serve. Right? Let's say to the, to the abuse, abused woman, you don't go and tell her, oh, you have to serve your husband. Uh, that's what Jesus did. He died on the cross. And he has no, she has no power, and you keep telling her to do that. Is that the servanthood? Do you understand what I'm saying? She has no power to be able to serve. She's a victim rather than servant. Jesus did not call us to be victim. Jesus called us to be servant. So being a servant requires tremendous empowerment, don't you think? And where does that empowerment come from? It's, a, it's not raw power that you have. Where does the empowerment come from? Learn the truth. Learn the truth. Yeah. Holy Spirit. Learn that you're a child of God. And also tremendous love that you experience, that you have love. Uh, and then, and sometimes that love uh, is a very, very difficult difficult language because uh, some people use that as a like a distorted form of love too but uh, but the true love God so loved the world that he gave his son uh, that whoever believes in so it is about love that servanthood underneath if there is no empowerment of love then that's not true servanthood uh, and so we have to be filled with that love. In that way, that is uh, different from secular. You know, you serve other people and then you become self-satisfied. It is love for yourself, that is. It's not really true love for others. But when, tr- when there's a true love for others, then there may be no reward for you. But still, you will serve. Uh, because of love, not because of anything else. And then Jesus had that much love, that kind of love. That's why he was able to uh, serve and then persevere through. And then love is not necessarily your response 
your reaction to other people's response to you. Or because she loves me, I love you. Or they love me so much, I love you. Not that kind of love. When the community loves you so much that you will do anything for the community, not that kind of. Sometimes when community disappoints you, uh, when community uh, deserts you, can you still love the community or love the people? So it is a, a love not as a reaction to people's response to you. So being a servant is a, a being big and being great. That's why Jesus said, if you want to be great among you, then you must be servant. That is the greatest person. That is the biggest person. That is a bigger person. When you are able to serve others, you become bigger person. You become truly great. That is what it means to be truly great. Not power over other people and Does it make sense? In that sense, what Jesus is saying? If you want to be great, if you wish to be great among you, then you must be your servant. Is that what it, what it do you think that's, that's what it meant? What do you think? No comment? Hmm? So only big person can only big person can serve. Right? Small person only can pretend to serve. <laughs> and how uh how do you become big to be able to serve? How do you become big? Bigger person. Broken? What does that mean? Why did you say that? <laughs> Just sounded good. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to be um, like confident in just your own identity. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. I mean, it reminds me. Of, you know, you gave a sermon a while ago on the temptations. Uh-huh. You know, and like the temptation, it wasn't really so much about uh, can you do that, but it was more about like if you are right, mm. son of God. Mm. So, in other words, like. Yeah, like if we're insecure about our core identity and stuff like that, it's hard to like think, serve others with a selfless heart. Mm. Right. That's a very good point. I think so. I think it's um, um, broken in a way that as, as you break, I, I guess, uh, 
through the experience, and you get to know who you are, and you get to know who true God is, and um, and then you and then in that struggle, you get to know how much God loves you, and then I think even Jesus, He knew the true identity of who He is. You 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 are my son, and He knew that you are loved. He He knew he, how much He He is loved, so that He is able to love others, so that. If, if we are, we know that we are a child of God and know that we are, we, we are all so loved in spite of who we are, then we, we get empowered by God, not with my strength, but with the power of God, mm. then you can serve others. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you have to know that love. I think you have to be loved first to experience Loving others. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I agree with what you yeah. said. It's just that I think the reality in this world is it's it's hard to really believe that at all times because there's so many different messages, mm -hmm. you know, where we have to prove ourselves and like uh, saying, yeah, like you're not worthy of that kind of love. So, mm -hmm. but I think if you can get to that point, that's when you can, you know, be bigger person and serve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jesus said that he, uh, he was in us, so his, his presence in image in us is large enough, mm -hmm. probably be, you know, powerfully big, but when the Jesus in us is smaller, and that's when it's just like another secular. People that we can't distinguish us from non Christians. Yeah. So, I mean, for us, yeah, it's a very abstract sort of concept. We put this out of me, what's in me, not me, but um, the way he's thinking, what he's preaching is totally different from our nature, human nature. So, unless he's in me, it actually grows. Or large degree, much bigger than myself, then I may not even notice that you know, I am actually power doing this. Mm. But once I actually start seeing that I am doing something with other people, probably that's not the view of Jesus looking at it. Because once, if you're really doing it from the true sort of Jesus, then you may not even feel that you're working with something you're serving. Mm. Mm. The uh, struggle and the fear sometimes is that, you know, the Bible said that the Holy Spirit, the pet cat, was, what was the word? Is searching through our heart or yeah, yeah. seeking the heart? Yeah. So that's when I personally feel very vulnerable. Thing. What's it mean that he's looking at me all the time and he, he can actually see, hmm. even, even to the degree that I don't even see myself. Step out into even this kind of environment, you know, it's Jesus in me is really large enough. Mm. I can even fit you. Mm. So, for you, Jesus in you makes you, uh, gives you the power to be servant. 
the consciousness of Jesus in you. Trust is very important to you in being a servant. And then there's no doubt, yes, no doubt. Yeah, just complete trust. Yes, 100%. Mm. <laughs> oh, and that's great. Yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah, complete trust. Mm. I think it's the attitude that you're better than the person. So um, how can you serve somebody you don't respect or, or you feel you're better than I think it's, it's important to understand a person, like uh, understand a person why she is like that. So don't feel, don't judge, don't feel that you're superior. Because mm-hmm. everybody is different, everybody has different situations. So mm-hmm. don't take that attitude that you're better. Yeah. I think that prevents us from serving. Mm. A lot of times we do that, eh? Yeah. A lot of times we, oh, why is she like that? Why is he like that? then from that point on, we cannot serve, right? <coughs> what do you think, Jisoo? <laughs> <laughs> About serving. Huh? About serving. Well, I was just uh, thinking about, well, so many different thoughts came to mind, but uh, in terms of serving, I think, um, I think, what everyone said, I think it's true. I think you can only serve, or uh, before the service comes, I think the love comes first. Hmm. I think um, if you understand that despite all your faults and despite all your bad things, that you see you're still loved right, hmm. by God. And when you are loved by God, that empowers you to say that that child, the other person, hmm. is loved by God just as much as I am, hmm. and to be able to help them in that way. I think that's. Um, I think that that comes first. I don't know the love, the understanding that you know Jesus. God said, you know, He is my beloved, mm. and God saying to uh-huh. me, "You are my beloved. You are mm. my child, and mm. and I will never let you go." That kind mm. of thing, and I think that helps us mm. to serve. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can do it mm. otherwise. Yeah, that provides us strength. I think. Mm-hmm. I I mean, in Mark, a few times. 
God said that you are my beloved, right, to Jesus, and Jesus truly believed that. And then that gave him strength to go all the way to the cross, right? Uh, being a servant is to go all the way to the cross, right? We are not just talking about material possession and all that. Uh, what does it mean to go all the way to the cross? Edward, yeah. what is <laughs> She wasn't ready. Now, I can see faces, you know? When I see faces, I, I know whether they want to talk or not, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought in two ways. One is, uh, you know, you can only serve to the extent of uh, your being empowered. So, like, you know, you shouldn't really try to serve more than what you can handle. Mm. But at the same time, by serving, it's like a more, more like it's a good circle. Like by serving, you get more empowerment. So it's mm. like a good cycle. Mm. So it kind of go both ways. So I don't know which mm-hmm. one is more correct, but mm-hmm. yeah, both. You, know, you shouldn't yeah. overserve and get resent, uh, you know, resentment and those kind of things. Mm. At the same time, by you know, it's like a discipline. By serving, you get the more empowerment, so then you can serve more. What kind of empowerment do you get by serving? I think it's uh, like appreciate that what's like what is the real purpose of our life, like. You know, we hear the word that you know we can. Uh, our purpose of life is to serve others, but that's sort of abstract. But I think by serving, you kind of realize a little of that. And doing that, then you can okay. Now I can have a little bit more empowerment, and I can serve a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, it's not like a big giant step, but it's step by step. Mm. So from the serving itself, you get empowerment. I think so. Huh? From the serving yes. itself, you get the empowerment. But sometimes we get disappointed yeah, yeah. by serving. Yeah, so Instead of giving us empowerment, yeah. it gives us discouragement. Exactly. Sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah. That's why there's kind of two thoughts. One is, you know, you shouldn't serve that mm. you're not ready, mm. right? So that's one thing. But or you shouldn't serve? Or <laughs> sometimes you should not serve. If you mm. feel yeah. that you're going to yeah. feel resentful. Yeah. I wonder whether we should go back to what Jesus said. When you, uh, I mean, I mean, I agree one hundred percent with you that you shouldn't serve uh, beyond your limit, but to increase the limit. uh, You know, some people their limit is so low, right? right? (laughs) This is my limit, right? So we need to sometimes uh, to increase the limit, right? So to uh, increase the limit, maybe we go. We should go back to. Jisoo? About, about being loved first, experience the love of God, that sacrificial love of Jesus Christ for me, and he died for me, he loves me even to the point of being uh, dying on the cross, and then understanding that love pushes us further, Instead of uh, like a human man-made uh, limit, uh, uh, we, we can stretch that limit a little bit more and more. I mean, by serving, we can do that too. But at the same time, uh, with that, we understand about Jesus' love for me, and then we can extend a little bit.
met, met a patient this week. Mm -hmm. She's in her 70s. She's a chaplain, by the way. <laughs> yeah. She's in her 70s, but then five years ago her husband died. Mm -hmm. And then two years after that her son got diagnosed with cancer. Oh my. And so she got, she like kind of cared for him, like he's 40 something. And then he died. Mm. Like just a couple months ago. And now she's in hospital because she's diagnosed, right? Oh my. And then she said, I'm questioning why God allows mm. something like this, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, she goes, you know, do I really believe that God is there? Like, mm. Why would I serve or why would I, you know, yeah. love or, or, have, or have faith in him, right? And, and then we're just talking about that. And then I go, well, the way I look at it is that the fact that that person was in your life is a gift. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, mm. God never guaranteed for us to say, you can have a husband that loves you, you can have a child that you, you, you can love and, and raise and all of these mm. things, right? So it was a big struggle, but we were talking about that together and how these relationships are not ours. Mm. Like, the, the, our spouse, our children, our church is not ours, mm. right? It's all God's, right? And so it's like, when um, when you want to serve, mm. I think you have to realize that mm -hmm. we're serving these people because they're God's people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, inspiring. Mm. It was just uh, she. She was like so heartbroken, right? Mm. She was, I couldn't even get over my husband's death after forty. I know. Fifty something years together, and then mm. I haven't even had a chance to grieve and, and my my son and now me, right? So. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, when I went to New York uh, uh, before, I heard this story about Chandosanim. Uh, this Chandosanim uh, is a, a, a part-time pastor, and he didn't have much money, and the congregation member uh, gave him the car. So he was uh, so happy uh, with the car. He used the car to the ministry and all that, because his uh, old car, it got broken. Uh, down uh, in the middle of uh, winter, uh, very cold winter, he went out uh, to check uh, out the car, and then he opened the hood, and, and then right at that time, another uh, woman uh, uh, was driving and then skidded, and skidded and then hit him, and then he was in between two cars, because she was so scared and shocked, she tried to pull away, and then skidded again, Unconscious, she did about five times. Tried to get out, like, because he, he was arriving to, and then the, his, uh, the knee bone was, uh, not just broken, it was shattered completely. So the, he went doctor, and the doctor said, we have to cut off, uh, amputate. Uh, and then so he was going in, and all other people or a congress member came because they felt so bad for him, and then they were crying, and then, while he was going in, he said, don't cry. God is good. I mean, where do you get that? You know, God is good. Even in that situation, uh, if we can hold on to the love of God for you, despite our circumstances, then servanthood is possible with that understanding of the love of God. Otherwise, we'll get really, really disappointed and disillusioned. Uh, and then, without knowing it, we will serve just to say to satisfy us. Uh, 
And then that kind of love uh, is hard to come by, actually. It's easier uh, said than actually understand it, right? Mm. And that love I think Jesus had. That's why even to the cross, he could go all the way. And unfortunately, I see so many people uh, around me, uh, all kinds of people. And in one of the stories, I mean, Katie's uh, had a, a tongue surgery uh, because of cancer. Uh, and there was a, a man uh, in Germany, uh, he had a tongue cancer, and then uh, he, uh, they had to, the, the doctor said, uh, after this, you cannot talk anymore. So he turned on the uh, uh, recording machine, just say whatever you want to say for the last time. And then the tape was going, and then he simply said, thank you, God. Thank you, God. He just repeated three times. Thank you, God. How can we uh, trust in God completely? How can we embrace the love of God regardless of our situations? I think that is key. And uh, unfortunately, in my own ministry, I see a lot of people who believe in God, who serve God, well, until they experience this tragedy in life. When tragedy hits them, many of them are broken, and they, are, they get disillusioned. Whatever. I mean, some, some of them even leave the church. Uh, and the key is, how can we uh, embrace the love of God in spite of our circumstances. Because circumstances, circumstances we cannot control. And we have to accept the fact that uh, we cannot control the circumstances. Any kind of circumstance uh, can come. Uh, so how can we accept and embrace the love of God in spite of our circumstances? Then, only then, True servants, uh, servanthood is possible. Otherwise, we'll be victims of our circumstances. Either we get become a bitter person or happy person. Luckily, if only good things happen, you'll be generally happy person. If very, very difficult things happen to you, then you'll become a bitter person. But I do believe that we are not just victims of our circumstances. I think that's what Jesus taught us. A lot of bad things happened to him. In spite of the fact that he did so many good things, the worst things happened to Jesus. And yet, he went all the way to the cross uh, without grudge without bitterness. And that's the teaching that Jesus taught us. And that is message that Mark is trying to communicate to us. Believe, faith, 
And then people like disciples, oh, I want to sit on your uh, seat of glory, you know, when you come. With that mentality, when the hardship comes, you can never uh, overcome that. And ultimately, they went beyond that. They all got martyred, right? All the disciples. They all understood the truth and secret of Jesus' teaching at the end, in the end. And they went all the way to the cross. Peter, who said to Jesus, oh, don't say it, things like that. And he was the one who died on the cross upside down, like Jesus did. So they all, I mean, they were very, very weak people. And yet, in the end, they were all able to uh, take the cross and go all the way. And that's what servanthood is. When you listen uh, to uh, Philippians chapter 2, last week we read, all these things, Jesus, even though he was God, he did not consider equality with God. He emptied himself, He uh, even to the point of uh, being a servant, and then he obeyed, even to the point of dying on the cross. That's how much, that's as much as Jesus did. And then after that, from verse 9, the Paul said, and God exalted him. It is God who exalted him. It's not Jesus who exalted, exalted himself. It is God who exalted him. And then he was able to go all the way because he had a trust in God and he was able to embrace the love of God in spite of all the circumstances. And I just hope that all of you, including myself very much, in spite of all, all kinds of circumstances may come to us, but in spite of all, all the circumstances, I hope that we hold on to the teaching of Jesus Christ uh, instead of being victims of our circumstances. We become empowered enough to be servant of the cross servant of Jesus Christ going all the way. And that's Jesus' teaching. And then at the end of it, Mark put another story that is regaining the sight. This time it's not process, right? So can somebody read? Bruce, can you read that, please? He regained his sight and followed him on the way. Mark 10, 46. They came to Jericho as he, his disciples, and a large crowd were in Jericho. Archimaeus, son of Canaeus, blind beggar, was sitting on the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take a heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. 
Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he began his sight and followed him. This time there was no process. The last sentence, immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. It's almost like a symbolic uh, uh, saying that that's what will happen to Je- uh, the disciples. Their eyesights are regained and they follow Jesus on the way. I think Mark wants to uh, say that. And all of us, I hope that we can. We'll sometimes fall, we'll fail, sometimes we'll be like disciples, but we have hope that even the disciples followed uh, all the way in the end. I hope that we can also, when you receive all kinds of life circumstances, uh, that I hope that you remember Jesus' love, uh, you trust God, and we keep on keeping on whatever journey that we began uh, instead of giving up in the middle we go all the way to the cross and then there will be reward uh, in heaven and also here too uh, that God's blessing will be with you uh, so that is the conclusion of uh Mark, uh, first big part, and the second big part, we will do it uh, in the fall. I gave you out uh, in a diagram uh, all we studied without scripture. So by looking at, it's pretty easy. In the the beginning, there are two prophets uh, proclaiming and then John the Baptist comes out, and then there's a Jesus baptism and uh, temptation, Jesus' public ministry. For the first thing is the calling of 12 disciples, and then exorcism, healing, and teaching. People searched for Jesus, but there were four controversies. So I summarized like that. So look at the boxes, and if you want to read 1 to 10, uh, chapter 1 to 10, with this, and then you can do that. So... Great. Thank you very much. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for teaching us about the way of Jesus Christ. How hard it is, O Lord, to understand Jesus. How hard it is to follow Jesus in a genuine, pure, true way. Lord, fill us with the love of God. May we have confidence in your love. May we find our true identity in you. Help us, O Lord, to trust you completely so that we may be able to also deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.